0: Hello and welcome to the Double Take Podcast. I'm Jenny Cullen here as always with Jess Ball and not as always, today we are joined by a special guest, Fallon Shaver. Fallon is our certified Last of Us game expert and we are very excited to finally ask a true game fan some of the questions we've basically just been lobbing out into the universe in previous episodes. So thank you so much, first of all, for coming on the pod, Fallon. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you so much
1: for having me. I think I want certified Last of Us game expert on my tombstone, preferably.
0: (laughs) We can try (laughs) to make that happen. (laughs) Um, I guess jumping right into it. Yeah. Like what, tell us a little bit about your experience with the game, like how you came to it and uh, I guess the impact that it has had on you before, even before the show.
1: Yeah. So Coming up on about 10 years ago, I guess, uh, I was a little 19-year-old baby, and um, I had been a gamer my whole life. I grew up around a lot of boys. It was kind of like, if you can't beat them, join them, right? So I've been playing games my whole life, uh, but I've always been drawn to video games that are more narrative-based, so less of the Call of Duties uh, and more of the Last of Us type style, which is just you know more narrative-driven. Um I heard about it. Everyone was raving about it and saying that it was just this revolutionary, you know, new game. You've got to play it. I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. I was an Xbox person uh, back in that time. And so I borrowed a PlayStation from somebody just to play Last of Us. And (laughs) I started playing it and was just completely taken by it. I couldn't put the controller down. It consumed my life. Um, the game takes about 15 hours or so 15 to 18 hours to complete. So it's, it's a a large undertaking. Um, and I even remember I was going on a trip in the middle of playing it and I, I'm afraid to fly. And I said to my mom, like, if our plane goes down, I'll never know the ending of the last of us. Um, (laughs) so it was a big deal to me quickly. Um, and it's interesting, when I when I try to think about why The Last of Us is so impactful to me in comparison to other things, um, whether that be TV shows, movies, anything, I think it comes back actually to something that Jess has said on a few of your episodes about this, which is that, why are these characters so compelling so quickly? Like, why do we care about Sarah when we've only seen her for five minutes? Um, you know, why are these characters that really in all reality, they're not that different. They're not that interesting. They're not that like revolutionary in terms of the actual storyline. Why are they so fascinating? And I'm not sure that I can answer that. I just know that it's how it made me feel. Um, and I was just, you know, completely fascinated. The other side of that for me was that um, being a female gamer, there just wasn't a lot of representation um, at the time. I mean, we had Lara Croft and various characters like that, but Ellie was the first character I ever had the experience of in a game where I thought, wow, I can see myself in this person. And not only that, she was so three-dimensional. She was had a, had a bit of a dark side, but she was funny and she wanted to be tough, but she was also vulnerable and it was just something that I had never, ever seen before in a game. Um, and it really just changed the way that I looked at that form of media.
0: Amazing. I have one follow-up question yeah. based on you saying that it's 15 hours to play. I'm yeah. assuming that's for the the first because there are two now or are yes. there even more? There okay. are two.
1: Um, and The Last of Us Part Two actually came out in 2020, right around the time oh, we okay. were all in lockdown. So you can imagine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the impact it had to be playing a game in a post-apocalyptic world while we were living through a pandemic. Um, yeah, But yeah, so Last of Us Part One is what this season is covering. So they're going to take us all the way through the first game, um, which, which totals, it depends on how fast you play, right? But like roughly I can get through it now in about 15 to 18 hours of total play.
0: How many times have you made the Last of Us journey?
1: Like how many times have you played the game fully through? Man, embarrassingly, I will
0: admit, I just finished my sixth overall
1: playthrough of the game. I'm oh, wow. so impressed. Wow, okay. <laughs> impressed That's or is awesome. it sad? I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> no, I, I love when people are like... I guess I don't know if nerdy is the right term for it, but I feel like oh, it unapologetically it enthusiastic about anything. Passionate. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. I am the same way with like TV shows.
1: obviously. Yeah, so. I've got a whole shelf Respect. of my bookshelf downstairs that's just full of Last of Us paraphernalia. I mean, my my husband for every birthday, anniversary, doesn't matter what it is. It's always a Last of Us themed gift. You'd think I'd own everything at this point, but apparently I don't.
2: Oh, makes you an easy person to get gifts for.
1: <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's really interesting to me to hear you talk about how passionate about it you are, because I truly did not know that this was a thing, like that a video game could even have this effect. I thought video games were mm-hmm. Call of Duty and Halo. And yeah, maybe people get yep. into those, but I, I didn't even know that they could have this sort of story, or even remotely that they could have characters that you could like feel passionate about obviously for me, a lot of that in my world comes from like TV shows and movies. So I understand mm-hmm. the feeling. I just didn't know that they could be applied to video games. So what's interesting to me to ask you is when you found out that they were making the video game into this TV adaptation, what were your feelings about that? Were you, were you worried? <sighs> were you excited? And I, if you could sort of try to speak for the game community at large, what was their reaction?
1: Oh my gosh, guys. Uh, It's been a journey. (laughs) Um, I found out that they were going to adapt it into a show, I guess in 2020 is when they announced it officially. And you know, they did the announcement of like, HBO is gonna make Last of Us into a show. And at first I was like, super excited. I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. This is gonna be a TV show. And I love HBO. I love all the content that HBO has been putting out. So I was like, stoked. And then I sat back and thought about it for more than half a second. And I just, my first thought was, why? Why would we do this? Because it's so different from adapting a book in the sense that I'm sure you guys have books that you love that have been adapted into things. But when you read a book, you're envisioning, I guess, the characters and what they might look and sound like, but you don't actually have anything to compare. You don't really know what the characters look like or sound like or what the landscape looks like. You only have the description. With The Last of Us, not only do we already have that world built out, but it was freaking beautiful. Like it's, I don't know how much you guys know about how the game is made. It actually takes them roughly like seven, eight years to make these games. Um, and oh. they, they use motion capture. So all of the actors, they're not going in a studio and recording their voice. They're actually going to a sound stage and they're acting out every single scene that's in the game. So it's kind of already been made. And that was the thing to me where I thought, well, what could they possibly do with a TV show that they couldn't do with the game? How is that going to be helpful? And are they just going to end up changing things that take this thing that I love so much, that means so much to me, and present it to a brand new audience in a way that isn't as, I guess, it not the way that I would like for it to be presented, if that makes sense. Like, it it feels so personal to me. Um and the other thing is so many people aren't gamers. So there's a lot of people that will watch the show that will never play the video game. And I had to really mm. grapple with that <laughs> and be like, that's OK, me. this is a version. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the thing, right, is, um, y- you know, you're going to have different feelings about it than than when you play the game. They're just different things. So I was freaked out, I was real worried about it. Um, but... What's interesting, Jenny actually said it on one of your episodes where she talked about the marketing for this game and how it was so catered to the gaming community specifically. And I think that was genius because it gave us about three years to process what was going to happen, to get little pieces of information. Um, Once I learned that Neil Druckmann was heavily involved, I was like, okay, that helps a lot. When I learned that Craig Mazin's a fan of the game, I was like, okay, perfect. And he'd made Chernobyl. So I was like, check, check, check. (laughs) Um, but I I mean, by the time, I guess I'll I'll say by the time I was sitting down on the couch, ready to watch it on January 15th, I was very excited and I wasn't as nervous anymore, but that's because they took us through this journey to accept the fact that this is going to be an adaptation. Some of it's going to be different, but we're going to care for this thing. We're going to do it in a way that is careful, that is thought out, um, because it's this thing that we love just as much as you
0: guys love, you know? Um, wait, so- you were aware three years ago you ha- you were one of the people who kind of got that targeted marketing because like Jess and I said, I didn't know that until I looked it up. Like I, I had not seen any of the marketing until very soon before the show was aired. But like that, it reached you?
1: Yes, it did. and. That's incredible. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when the headline came out, like 40 people that I know sent me the headline because they were like, oh my gosh, Fallon's obsessed with The Last <laughs> of Us. Like, how is she feeling about this? Um, so yeah, I've, I've known about it and I've read so much about it, guys. Like it's my head. If I cleared out the information I have in my head <laughs> for The Last of Us, I could be a, a neurosurgeon. Um, but yeah, as far as your question on the community, though... Uh, <laughs> the last of us community is a real interesting space and it's not kumbaya. Everybody loves each other. Um, especially after the second game came out, it really split the audience in half. Some people think that game's brilliant. I, I am actually in that category. I think it's even better than the first. Um, but there was a ton of people that absolutely hated it. And it created this weird divide of the people who loved the first game but hated the second game. And um, I think that that filtered into people's feelings about the TV show also. And I think there it's so to distrust. And so there were a lot of people that were hating on everything that came out, hating on the casting decisions, hating on the fact that they were going to deviate in any way. Um, I will say since it's aired, I've seen mostly positive reactions. But there's still a ton of people that they just want to basically watch the game, which I, I don't understand why you would want to do that. There's no point. Uh, but that's that's how some people are reacting.
2: You mentioned a little bit about the casting decisions. I'm curious. And you don't have to go through, obviously, all of them. But were there any casting decisions that when they were announced you had a strong reaction to negatively or positively? And did those reactions change since the show has aired?
1: Yeah, so positively. Anna Torf. <laughs> um, <laughs> of I love Anna Torf. I I you guys had mentioned a couple things she's been in that I haven't even seen, but I saw her in Mindhunter. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about Mindhunter. Yeah, I forgot to yeah, mention that. I was in really that. I was really taken by her in that show. And she just has the aura where I was like, oh yeah, she could definitely do tests. Like she's gonna do a fabulous job. Um, so I was really excited about that one. Pedro and Bella. I'm going to be totally honest here. At the beginning, I was like, what is going on? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Um, For a few reasons. I hadn't seen Pedro in a lot, to be fair. Uh, I knew him from The Mandalorian, but he wears a mask the whole time. Um, (laughs) I've seen him in Game of Thrones, but Game of Thrones is... (laughs) Oh, God, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I don't want to call Game of Thrones campy, but it's fantasy, right? So (laughs) it's kind of a whole different genre, Uh, I just hadn't seen him in anything where I thought like, oh, he's Joel. He could definitely do this character. Um, and Joel has a very distinctive voice, which is a silly thing for us to care about guys, but I'll be honest. It's certainly something that I thought about. Um, and so I was worried about it. Bella, she's super young and hasn't done a lot. I mean, I liked her character in game of Thrones, but it didn't like wow me by any means. And Ellie means so much to me that I was like, whoever plays this character has to carry Ashley Johnson's performance of her on their back. I mean, the the performance in the game is so brilliant that I just thought, I don't know if there's anybody that could do this. Um, so I was skeptical for those reasons, but I chose to just kind of trust the process. I, as soon as I found out Neil Druckmann was involved, I was like, just trust. Just trust <laughs> he would pick these people based on them encapsulating the character's and and let's just see where it goes.
0: Do you have any insight into, like, I know that Marlene, for example, like, some they they did take some of the people who did the live acting for the game. Yes. And made them their characters. Do you know if there's any reason why the two main characters uh, were Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey rather than the people who did the game? Yeah. Like, and are I'm they too you, old uh, at this point? Or
1: I'm glad you brought up Merle Dandridge. Um, I can, can't believe I forgot to mention my excitement around that. I was thrilled when I found out Merle was going um, to play Marlene. I thought that was so cool. And it was just great. for You know, it's like a nice little nod to the fans to have her in it. So I was really excited about that. Um, as far as Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson, it's just age. Um, yeah, okay. So makes Ashley's close to 40 now. Uh, and (laughs) yeah,
0: Yeah.
1: if you, if you look up a photo of Troy, if you haven't looked him up before, please do. Because when you see this man's face, you're going to be like, how was that Joel ever? He's just a very different style. He looks totally different. Um, and then he also is much younger than Joel. So I think for that reason, they just couldn't make
0: it work. Got it. That's interesting. Voice acting? I mean, I know, like you said, it's not just voice acting, but something else. Being yeah. able to, like, picture, picturing who you're picturing or even just, like, fitting it to the video game uh, artistic rendering of the character. Yeah, um, but what I do think is really
1: cool is that Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker, they will be in the show. Um, Ashley is actually going to be playing Ellie's mom. Oh, and, awesome. That's really um, cool. Troy is going to be playing... Uh, one of the uh, sort of bad guy characters, actually, which I think will be interesting. But I love that huh. they that they brought them into it and they gave them a character. I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, I had no idea. That's cool. I'm looking forward to it. I won't recognize them until I <laughs> look them up, like you said. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, okay, speaking of sort of what is similar and or dissimilar from the game to the show... To the untrained eye, meaning mine and also (laughs) potentially to Jess's, I feel like we've talked about that there um, in past podcast episodes, there are a decent number of shots or like vignettes that feel like they're being taken from the game. Like something about the way that they're shown on camera and maybe it's just knowing that it comes from a video game where I can, in my mind, I put together like, oh, I bet that is like. A scene like from after you finish loading, like this is where you end up and it's like the first scene of this journey of the game or whatever. Um, and I'm wondering if that is the case. Like, are there a decent number of shots in the TV show that you recognize immediately as like, oh, that's exactly from the game? Like, that's truly just frame by frame created Exactly the same.
1: Yeah, there are actually a surprising number of those. I have been, um, like, jumping out of my seat every week at the stuff that they're including, and not only are including, but like the scripts. I mean, the words are verbatim the same from some of the game scenes, which I actually am shocked that they're doing, but I'm thrilled about it because they're some of my favorite scenes. Um, just from this this last week in episode four the entire scene where they're in the car um driving and ellie finds like bill's porn magazine and all that (laughs) stuff that entire scene is verbatim word for word from the game wow so so there's that and there's little things too that are um less on the nose i i was talking to jess about this last week but Uh, in the Bill and Frank episode when they pan outwards from their bedroom window at the very end, that like really pretty shot they have, that is actually a nod to the home screen of the video game. So when you queue up the game, the home screen is uh, this like beautiful shot of a window um, and then it says like press start. And so that's kind of this really beautiful nod to the the gamers. Um, So like little things like that uh ellie's joke book that's directly from the game um i mean there's a lot a lot a lot oh and then actually when i was listening to you guys talk about this i I can't remember if it was jenny or jess or which of you said it but you were talking about um sarah's point of view when you're in the car in the first episode Hmm. that is we were all freaking out because what's cool is in the game you play as sarah at the very beginning Uh, and you get to walk around her room and when, when all the explosions are going off and when all of this crazy stuff is happening in the distance, you're actually Sarah walking around, discovering everything that's happening and you get in the car and you have the option to turn left, turn right, and turn to the back. So you can look at all the different angles. And so the game, the the show like did that in a way that made us go like, oh man, it's like we're playing as Sarah. So it was cool. Wow.
0: Wow, That makes me even more heartbroken to know like the fact that. Like Jess and I were talking about, after one episode, we were completely in love with Sarah and then devastated that she died. But knowing that you get to after play like as her, minutes. that's just like an yeah. extra gut-wrenching, like, what the heck? Yeah, after 20 minutes, true.
1: Yeah, and and that is one of the things that I think is um, interesting in terms of the impact the game has that maybe the show will not be able to have, which is that everything that's happening to these characters, like you're you're living it. You're experiencing it with them. Every time that Joel has to pull the trigger on somebody, you're the one pulling that trigger. Um, and so it is really impactful and it does hit in a different way when you're actually walking through the world with these characters as opposed to just watching them.
0: Yeah, way more visceral. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, I, I truly like, <laughs> sorry, I'm still <laughs> stuck on the fact. I don't know. I feel like I would have to take a... Uh, half-hour pause after playing as Sarah. If well, yeah, and, and that what's was crazy is, not...
1: I mean, when you watch it, um, I will say that the first, the first 10 minutes or so, like when you're getting her at school and when she goes to get Joel's watch, we don't get any of that. The game opens with Joel and her on the couch when she's giving him the watch. So that's the very first scene of the game.
0: Oh, that actually answers another question I had for you, which was how much of the backstory... Is included in the game, and where does the game actually start? Which you just answered, but so, so backstory wise, you don't get that full, it's like Sarah's full day. Um, do you get the? I guess it's not technically backstory at that point. But once you're in the future and in the QZ, do you get sort of a backstory that Joel is a smuggler? Is that not really explained? Like how much of of the, I guess setup for the show is included in the game.
1: Yeah. So explained, but in a different way. Um, and this is actually why I've been enjoying the show so much because it's not changing anything that actually happens for the most part. It's just giving us more information and telling us things in a different, more fleshed out way. Um, so we, Sarah, Sarah dies in the exact same way that that scene is again, verbatim word for word, identical to the game. Then the other thing that's exactly the same is we get a jump to 20 years later. Um, And what we see is Joel waking up by Tess knocking on the door. So all of the stuff prior to that from that episode that you see where you see Tess with Robert when she's being interrogated, uh, you see some of the Firefly action going on, you see Joel talking to that guard and selling him pills. We don't get any of that in the game. We just immediately hit the moment when Tess comes in and is like, we got a problem. Um but they explain the smuggling through their conversation. So immediately you're learning in that moment what Joel's been up to the last 20 years because Tess is like, okay, you know, Robert, we, we had a bad deal. He was supposed to sell us some guns. He took our guns. He sold them to somebody else. We need to go confront him. So you're learning in, in real time, like, okay, Joel's been up to some stuff. He's obviously doing some illegal things. He's figuring out how to survive in this world. Um, but we don't get it through an extensive narrative mainly because they have to get to the gameplay, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It sort of feeds into what Jess we've been talking about of the the show does really well, which is show rather than tell. Like it sounds like in the game, because you need to get straight to gameplay, it is a lot of like telling through yes. dialogue what's been going on rather than sort of they've laid it out through multiple scenes. I am um, that's cool. That's very interesting.
1: Yeah. So and, and I mean we do get a decent amount of background on everybody, um, in, in various ways. And some of the show don't tell does happen just in some of the decisions that Joel makes. And you're, you're kind of like, okay, that's telling me something about him. You know, his, they, they immediately, quickly in the beginning, run into somebody that's been crushed. Um, and in the game, there's spores. That's part of the way that the infection spreads. Uh, a mask breaks and he's like, hey, please shoot me. I don't want to turn. And you actually have the option as the player to either shoot the guy or walk away. If you don't shoot him, Tess does. And in that moment, like that decision tells you like, man, these people are real hardened because they just didn't think twice before shooting this guy in the face that um, they they just met three seconds ago. So you, it gives you this context of what they've been through over the last 20 years.
2: I want to talk about something you just mentioned, actually, which is in the game, you can get infected via spores. But in the show, they made a and I think the second episode to tell the audience that you can't get infected via spores in the in the TV show world. Uh, do you know why they made that change? And is that something that you and or the game community reacted to either negatively or or did they not really care about that change?
1: Yeah, so the actually, I would say some of the biggest changes they've made thus far have been related to the infected um, in, a, in a couple of ways. So yes, the spores thing... Uh, I think Craig Mazin was the one that explained the reason why he didn't want to do that is because it didn't make sense that spores would be contained to one particular area. So in the game, it's like you walk into a room and if there's an infected that's been there for a long time, has gotten past the point of being a clicker, like the, the, the infection has completely overtaken that person, it then at that point can start to produce spores. So they'll walk into a room in the game and they'll say, ooh, spores, and then they'll put on a mask. And to Craig's point, I think he's like, why on earth would spores be like in one room, but then it wouldn't be airborne? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, And so he's like, it works for a video game. It doesn't work for a TV show, which I actually am like, yeah, sure. No, I don't really have much of a problem with that. Uh, There's a lot of purists in this community that wanted everything to be exactly the same. So yeah, there are people that had a problem with it. But at least those of my friends that have played the game and, and those that I've talked to, people are kind of okay with that um the other thing they added was the network of um the spores where like he's like oh you can touch this part of the cordyceps and then a mile away it activates other infected that is not in the game at all that's brand new Hmm. but i thought it was a cool touch
2: yeah i thought i i guess i figured that that was in the game because it seemed sort of game like maybe that like those things would be connected.
1: it was funny cuz Neil Druckmann was like, "Man, I wish I'd thought of that. Like that's so cool." <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so yeah, not in the game but in the show, and I I don't have a problem with any of these changes. I actually think it's cool they're fleshing out more of the background of the infection. Even that opening scene that you get in episode 1 where the doctors are talking about Cordyceps, none of that is in the game. All of that's new.
2: Oh, I loved that. I thought that did such a
0: good job of setting up like the theme. Oh, I agree.
1: I I loved it.
0: Yeah. Is the other flashback are any of the flashbacks, I guess, included? Like the, um, I guess, I think it's episode two. Um, yes, the other all of that's scientist. New. Okay, yeah, okay. All cool. of that's
1: new. What we get is through conversation. The other mechanic that the game has that will give us information is notes. So you're walking through the world mm-hmm. and you walk into an abandoned coffee shop. And if you walk around, every once in a while, you'll find a note and you can pick up the note and you can read what it says. And it might be a left behind note from a Fedra agent, you know, letting his family know that he's about to turn or something like that. And so um, there's all of these different ways that we get to interact with the world that still are within gameplay, if that makes sense. So you get a lot of information, but it's through finding things. So there's actually a scenario where if you're the type of player that just kind of blows through the game and doesn't actually look around, you'll miss out on a lot of the narrative.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that feels very game-like that you would like pick up notes and <laughs> learn things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it makes sense yeah, that they yeah. had to sort of adapt that. But along those same lines, I guess, what have been the biggest overall differences? I know there are probably a lot of small differences, but in terms of the game versus the show, the purists who are mad about bigger changes, like what are they What are they mad about? What are those changes that, that you think are the, the biggest differences between the game and the show?
1: Yeah, thankfully, I've been very happy with the fact that um, the majority of things I've seen, you know, whether it be on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, where people are talking about it, for the most part, people are reacting pretty positively to the changes. Um, the biggest ones have been the Bill and Frank episode. I am sure you guys know at this point was a complete deviation from the game, so. Bill in the game is this hardened um, survivalist, you know, similar to what they show at the very beginning. Uh, But he actually is there to serve the purpose of, like, giving you a car battery. You meet up with him. Him and Ellie's dynamic is really funny in the game because they're both these kind of – they just have these intense personalities. Um, And Ellie is kind of a no-bullshitter, so she really, like, will go after him in these really funny ways. Uh, So I I would even say for a minute when I found out that Bill was going to be dead before they got there, I had this knee-jerk reaction of like, oh, we're never going to see Ellie and Bill together? Like, that's devastating. But look at what we got. I mean, Hmm. that episode is one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen in my life. And so if it means that I don't get to see Bill and Ellie rip on each other for a half an hour, I'm good with it. I I can get past that. Yeah.
2: Uh, (laughs) So it's
0: clearly it's you're a, a little more like flexible.
1: <laughs> Some people yeah. are just mad that anything changes I know. ever. I, exactly. Yeah. It was funny. I mean, when you called me to talk about doing this, I was in the middle of arguing with a coworker about, um, <laughs> you know, him being like, oh, it just feels like the Bill and Joel relationship is so empty now. And I was like, Empty. We got to see them have a little dinner party. We got the background on you know Tess and Frank and all of these relationships that we don't get anywhere close to in the game. I mean, how anybody could not see that as a positive, I, I just can't understand. I can't get in the head of that that person. Um, but the the big changes that are challenging for me right now, and I'm again, I'm trusting Neil. I'm hoping we're we're going in the right direction. But the fact that Marlene met Ellie the day that she's being smuggled out is eating me alive. Um, in the game, Ellie is very familiar with Marlene. Marlene was almost like a, the closest thing Ellie's had to like a parental figure in her life. Uh, and for them to have just met, I'm like, for things that are coming down the line, I'm struggling to understand how that's going to be a
0: good thing but I'm choosing to trust it. <laughs> uh, I want to know what you're talking about, but I also yeah. don't want spoilers. So I'm so curious. <laughs>
1: but I'll just say that, you know, keep that in the back of your mind that that's a big change that uh, that, that Marlene and Ellie were very familiar with each other prior to Ellie being uh, bitten. Um, and, and then beyond that, and I might even have like kind of a question for you guys related to this, if you don't mind, because uh, I'm genuinely curious. But of Ellie's course. character development has been very interesting to me thus far. It's very different than it is in the game. Um, and I'm I'm trusting why they might be doing that, but it's been challenging for me because of what she means to me as a character. So, like, what are your impressions of Ellie right now, where you are in the show?
0: Okay, I guess my my thoughts right now are... She, I mean, at least in this most recent episode, it sounds like she's had a more difficult time than just obviously having been bitten and then sort of like holed up and tested day on, day on end to make sure she hadn't turned. Like that was sort of the backstory that I had up until that point. Like maybe she was an ordinary kid, got bitten, and then was sort of being held by fireflies for testing. And that was making her a little bit, you know, on edge. But also then we find out that she's an orphan. So I kind of had that, like maybe she's a little spunky for those reasons. Um, And then in this most recent episode, when we find out that she's had to either just shoot someone or kill someone before, like clearly there's some, uh, there's some trauma that I, that we hadn't known about. So I, my like, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't gotten a, a ton of, I guess, character development from her more so an unveiling of maybe why she is the way she is. Um, I've thought I I find myself often thinking like if I were that age going through this, she bounces back so much quick, more quickly than I ever would. It like makes quippy jokes and is sarcastic and like to a certain degree I get that the sort of coping mechanism of keeping things light and sarcastic when you're going through uh, you know, a, I guess not a zombie apocalypse because they're not zombies but you know. <laughs> equivalent. Um, and yeah, I've just been wondering why that is like, what is she sort of uh, pushing to the side? And I still yeah. don't know. Um, but I, yeah, I guess I, I've been waiting to figure that out ever since the, the show started.
2: Okay. That's interesting that that is what came to your mind first, because I feel like especially <laughs> having Justine episode four, she's so gregarious and jokey and Clearly trying to form a relationship with Joel, um, like, you know, a father-daughterly relationship or maybe it's a friendly relationship. Either way, she's trying to, like, extend the, like, olive branch almost. Like, But she does it in a way that I feel like feels different than what my perception of her was when we first met her, which was, like, she's prickly. She doesn't trust people. I feel like somehow we went from she's prickly, doesn't trust people to, like, She bounces back really quick and makes jokes, like Jenny said. And in this episode, I was sort of thinking to myself, like, who is this person? (laughs) Like, How did we get here? And I like it, and I'm not (laughs) arguing against it. Something about it strikes me as a bit strange, I will say.
1: Yeah, and I... Appreciate you guys, like, sharing that perspective. It's very interesting to me to talk to people that, um, you know, haven't had the experience with that character that I have to see how it's translating so far because – and and to be honest, both of your answers comfort me a little bit uh, because what I've been hearing is, like, serial killer-esque, sadistic, obsessed with the infected, wants a gun real bad, you know, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> no, 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 because – yeah, those things are happening. But um, what's so beautiful to me about Ellie and what Ellie really represents in this world is relentless hope. Um, you know, she is the mechanism that is bringing Joel back to himself. And like the overall theme of The Last of Us in my mind is is love, but it's also you can come back from anything, um you know you you can go through the most difficult things you've been through in your life but there's always something if you let it in that can bring you back to yourself and i will say episode 4 it was the first episode where i was like oh i took a deep breath i was like there we go that's what i'm looking for um because what's so wonderful about ellie is she's this lightness Juxtaposed against this darkness, <laughs> and it's what works so well. It's it's kind of what um what kept me coming back to the story. And when they were doing these little things where they were having Ellie cut an infected open and um, steal a gun, like these are things that did not happen in the game. And I and I just went, oh boy, I really hope people aren't getting the wrong impression uh, of who she's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, no, I I can see where people I. Like I understand um, when you say that some people are saying like sadistic or like yeah. obsessed with violence or whatever. I guess I get that, but definitely what we've been seeing in the show, all of the signs point to like that's you know for protection, like her her need to her. Her want with a gun is sort of almost mixed in with, like, childlike wonder. Not That's the wrong thing to say. But, like, in the same (laughs) way that she's excited about airplanes, you know, and cars. Mm -hmm. Like, guns are cool if if you're, you know, if you play video games, too. Like, kids think machinery and stuff like that is cool. But the infected scene, I found that a little weird for a couple of reasons, but not because I thought it made Ellie seem... um, at all, I guess, sadistic. I just sort of thought, like, wow, something's going on in her mind that's a little bit trauma y that we haven't, haven't really talked about yet. Uh, hope she's okay. <laughs> like, that was more my reaction. Yeah. And that, that makes
1: me yeah. feel a lot, a lot better. Cause I just, um, <laughs> the one thing I'm protective of in this story is Ellie and how she's portrayed. Uh, just, you know, it's, mm. that was the one thing I was nervous
2: about. And I just want to make sure they're getting that right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely did not feel like, She was a sadist. (laughs) Well, good, good. (laughs) Before we move on to talking about episode four, which we will do, do you want to end the interview portion with just your overall reaction to the show thus far? Are you enjoying it? Is it living up to your hopes and dreams or not?
1: Yeah. So I I would say an overall yes. I mean, every single episode I... And every week I find myself saying like, oh my God, I get to have a Last of Us TV show. Like that's a thing that I get to have in my life. And it's being done in such a way with such care um, that really makes me so happy. I'm so thrilled that Craig Mazin is the one that's that has worked with Neil on this. They're just doing a spectacular job. Uh, and I, I have not left one single episode yet being like, oh man, that was rough or that wasn't right or that's not hitting the right points um so i've i've really enjoyed every second of it and i i know what's to come right like i know how this thing ends and i'm thrilled to see how they get us there
0: nice that's i'm i mean with no real stakes in how the gamer community feels at least like hearing that perspective makes me feel a little bit better i i would feel really guilty if i were enjoying a show so much that people who were familiar with the source material were upset with i feel like i would it would like taint my, uh, experience of the show.
1: Yeah. And listen, I'm,
0: I'm gonna laugh if, if this goes up and there's a bunch of people that are
1: like, this chick's an idiot. And like, you (laughs) know, this show's terrible. Like, listen, the last of us community is a weird place. So for all I know, there's a lot of people out there that are frustrated, but, um, but I'm thrilled with it. And I mean, there's little things here and there, right. That I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. But for the most part, they're doing a spectacular job.
0: Cool. So I'm excited to, um, to talk about the fourth episode. Basically, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be talking about it again with you, Jess, but obviously also with Fallon, because now I can ask my questions directly to you. <laughs> yeah, um, I like having a live answer
2: <laughs> uh, sounding board I for when we go, Ooh, I wonder. Hap- I wonder what happened there in the game. <laughs> someone to answer. Yeah, I'm happy but, to
1: be here cuz every time I listen to episodes I'm like, I know that
2: answer. Sounds <laughs> like shouting at her Spotify. I, I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I know Jenny you said it's not as action packed and it it's a little bit more of a like they're on the road, they're getting places. It's setting up this new faction, I guess you could call them. I I think my biggest takeaway from this episode, though, that I'll just start with before we dive into any details is, is sort of actually what Fallon was saying earlier about, you know, how do we feel about Ellie's character development? You see the lightness in her in this episode, but it did remind me that I really got stuck on that scene where she says, like, you know, if you don't if you don't think there's hope for the world, why bother going on? And Joel says, like, you keep going for family. And then he calls her cargo And that scene, I think, is like (laughs) the scene of this episode that will stick with me because it's the first time you see that dynamic, I think, between them where she she's not frustrated that he says that. Like, I think she knows that he is sort of in denial when he says that and that he is keeping himself there because he doesn't want to open himself back up. But he already feels this sort of like. The fear that he will lose
0: her and I think for me that was very poignant in this episode I feel like we got the full I almost forgot about that I also have that on my I have that quote in my notes that we're not family we're or you're not family or cargo or whatever Um, and I almost forgot about it because by the end of the episode that changes so much I feel like we already went through sort of an arc of Joel realizing he didn't mean what he said sort of um, but I think he knew I think
2: he knew yeah. and then I think we saw Like, I think that was then us getting to see what he already knew was sort of true deep, 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 deep down (laughs) that he was in denial about, which is that he (laughs) wants to protect her. And that's currently his raison d'etre. Like, he will always care about protecting somebody. And now it's her. Like, he has found his new, like, reason.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because the car element of this story is a big turning point in the game as well for what you guys are describing like it's the first time that there's a letting go of this guard ellie starts to make jokes joel is like trying so hard not to laugh at them but you know that he finds her amusing and adorable and he's just fighting not to have that reaction and it says so much about the the relationship between these two and how it's just going to slowly start to build and i thought this episode did such a beautiful job from beginning to end, taking us from like his hardened exterior to them like laughing hysterically together at the end. It just was such a beautiful way to take us on that journey with them and then put us in a place where it's like, this relationship is going to be different going forward.
0: Yeah, yeah. She finally cracked his like hardened shell by the end. Although I will say, I did, (laughs) I also made a note of this, the laughing at the end, like you said, so cute and like great for the development of this relationship. But I was thinking like, shush be qu- like people are gonna find you you can't just be <laughs> laughing so loud like what is wrong with the two of you uh, I feel like <laughs> at least in, in, many that just, like, moments
2: final scene. in this episode I like forgot to be <laughs> nervous especially in the beginning like you're going through like the countryside they're like driving even when they see all the cars piled up or whatever I was like oh we're just getting to see more of the world like that's so cool I'm very interested to see what the rest of the world looks like and then all of a sudden there were people shooting at them and I was like oh my gosh I forgot this was an action show. Like things can go wrong. <laughs> I was like legitimately, I gasped, but I think it, it was sort of a calm episode in general. Like we, I mean, we didn't see any infected. It just, I feel like I forgot this was
0: a zombie show in this episode. Um, please anyone cut me off. I have a lot of thoughts about, <laughs> like I usually do maybe to a pedantic level, but about their journey basically toward Kansas city. Um, because there, I one I was thinking like cool that they can basically do this road trip from east coast to west coast with essentially no traffic. Like that's pretty baller. Um, <laughs> I've made I've made the journey from like from Boston to Seattle um, a couple of times, and the traffic is always the worst part. So that was my <laughs> one like dumb takeaway. Second thing was that they mentioned that they were on like seventy six West, which is in Pennsylvania. Um, and as they were saying that, they were pa- uh, passing a bunch of bison or buffalo. I don't actually know which is which. But the fact, I guess, like, yeah, like nature has reclaimed. Because I back in the day, there must have been buffalo over here. Um, but it was just weird to see. I, like, assumed they were much further west. And then he was like, oh, we're on 76. And I was like, oh, he's in PA. Um, yeah, so fun facts being- from the game. They, um, the the Kansas
1: City landscape in the game is actually Pittsburgh.
0: Um, Got it. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I was listening to their – they have a companion podcast that they do every week about the show, and they talk about some of their changes. And they didn't really have, like, uh, much of an answer as to why they switched it from Kansas City – or, from I mean, from Pittsburgh. And they pretty much just said because Calgary, where they were filming, just really – they could not convince anyone that it was Pittsburgh. But – which is funny to me because we had that moment in the, like, last episode or second episode where – they said 10 miles west of Boston, which clearly is <laughs> was like weird was that not. it looks like the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, do you guys care about what it looks like? I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I wonder, I'm, I'm curious as to what other people thought, because I was watching with my boyfriend who is even more pedantic about this stuff than I am. And we were both like, Kansas City makes zero sense. Like just the way that they're driving. We even plotted it on a map. We were like, if they're on 76 West going to... Cody, Wyoming. Why in the world would they go down to Kansas City? Like they what? I so I was wondering if there was a point in the gate, like if if there was some reason, if Ellie was supposed to have been reading the map wrong or something, because there's truly it does not make any sense to be going that way. Um, Yeah, no, I think this is where you guys overthink it. (laughs) To be quite honest, that's that's too much. But also, I
2: listened to the companion podcast too, and he says it just like the where they were shooting in Canada. Looked to them like Kansas City, which I thought was hilarious. That that was like their, I mean, that, yeah, the fact that they were ten miles west of Boston and it looked nothing like Boston, but to them, they were like, hmm, Kansas City, yes, the most like Calgary, like yeah, we, we like, must I just, pick I Kansas of, City. I kind of
1: was, I was hoping that they were going to give a reason for making that switch that actually made like some kind of narrative sense. Because once he said that, I was like, oh, now you guys suddenly care what things look like. Like it just was funny to me, but. It was one of those things that I didn't really care. I'm like, you could put them anywhere. If you tell the same story, I don't care where they're located.
0: Yeah, I wasn't thinking about it No shade to Kansas City, but I have no idea what Kansas City looks like, so I would not have known the difference. Exactly. I didn't know either.
2: One thing Um, you did say in the podcast, too, though, that I appreciated was, like, if they had picked Pittsburgh, it would have felt off in the way, like, the story beats happened based on what I assume he meant was based on, like, the next location that we sort of see them at. That it would have seemed like, I don't know, too far away, maybe? That was my takeaway, was that this seemed like it made more sense based on the unfolding of the plot. So I appreciate that, at least, if that ends up being true.
1: Yeah, because I do think from a timing perspective, that will be the case. So the other thing I'll say about the game the game is told through four seasons. So it starts in summer. Um, and it, it basically will have these time jumps where you'll, you'll hit the end of a certain part of the narrative. And then all of a sudden the screen goes black and it says fall. And now we're in a different season. They're obviously not going to do that in the show because it's too difficult to have that many time jumps. So I think mm-hmm. that's probably wise. They, they were like, well, we can't, cause there's a big time jump between the end of this section that you guys are in, in the show to the next section. And I think they would struggle to be able to do that narratively so it does make sense that they would want them to be closer to where they're going next
0: gotcha yeah that makes sense interesting i have so many more thoughts about like where they could have gone instead like chicago would have been. anyway we can move on <laughs> no, let's
2: go past that one um <laughs> do you have more notes on
0: pre being in kansas city or uh the only the only note that i have No, I have two notes from before we get to Kansas City. One was Hank Williams. Hell yeah, that's the full note, um, which Fallon, you mentioned was maybe a nod to the game. Uh, And then my second note pre-Kansas City was, it's funny that, I guess this is also in Kansas City. It's funny that giving directions in these scenes was exactly as stressful as giving directions always is, despite the fact that they're in this like post-apocalyptic world. Like when she was holding the map and Joel was, basically yelling at her to try to figure out where they're supposed to turn. I was like, this is just exactly how it is when I'm in the car with someone trying to give them directions. There's yeah, no difference. I really empathize with always her in that stressed. moment.
2: I was like, I'm always being yeah. yelled at because I'm always reading the map wrong. And to be fair, the map in my case is Google Maps and it's telling you exactly where to go. And there she is looking at <laughs> a map of the world that has lines on it. I just, who knows? Power to her. I was about to
1: say... If you guys are reading maps, we've got a whole other issue.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. no. I'm reading computerized maps.
1: (laughs) Okay, good, good.
2: Okay, so we then get to Kansas City, and the thing that they sort of almost say but they don't really explain is there's no fedra like i think the only thing they say Elliot, like asks i think where fedra is and so it's not it wasn't clear to me right away like what was going on like who these people were we meet these three guys right away and then there's the little scuffle and we don't know who they are so my takeaway from this scene was that it was a it was a well first of all very dramatic and i was i cried um that's not much of a surprise though i always cry uh but what was interesting was the shows taking this sort of stance i felt like that uh, villains and heroes could be anyone like i felt really bad for the guy that joel killed and i had no idea who he was but i was like no don't kill him just because he seemed sad and i thought that was an interesting move to not make it so clear cut between like the good guys and the bad guys
1: I am so excited to hear you say that I could burst into tears because that means that they're getting it right, which is this whole story comes back to like, everything is gray. Nothing is black and white. You don't know who the good guy or the bad guy is because everyone is just doing what they think is right. And that makes the story so much more compelling. And it it did in the game too, because in most video games, like there's a good guy and a bad guy and you're usually playing the good guy. And there's a lot of decisions that Joel makes, that Ellie makes, that all of the characters make that you go, well, am I the good guy? I don't know. I mean, everyone is doing something wrong that they think is right. And I think that's exactly what they should portray. And I'm so happy that that came across to you.
2: Yeah, I think that is such an important part of why I like the show, too. Like, it, Although the humanizing of what is sort of the enemy is like it's that's difficult to watch like I was like man this would have been easier if they just made this guy a terrible person who like was insistent on killing Joel I was like sad that I liked him but I appreciate very much really like the that they're grounding the violence in I mean exactly what you said which is the reality of a world like this isn't gonna have just good guys or bad guys and it's another reason why this show really resonates with me and and that I like it so much more than I expected to because I don't really like just purely violent violence just for violence like that doesn't work for me in shows so this was just another moment where I was like wow they're really
0: doing this very well yeah totally agree yeah Um, the fact that it's not have either of you ever go go for it no go ahead <laughs> I was going to take us into slightly different. Have either of you ever seen the movie with uh, Drew Barrymore, Ever After? It's like a Cinderella retelling. No. Yes, I have not. but
1: like a long time ago.
0: Um, well, Jacqueline, one of the quote unquote evil sepsisers in that movie, who actually turns out to be kind of nice, is the like Kathleen vigilante esque lady. Which really tickled me. Um, she, that's the only thing I recognized her from, but that actress. Wait, Melanie Linsky. Kathleen, what, you mean, the one you who Only no
2: Melanie Linsky from a nineteen nineties movie? Jenny, I am shook. Oh my god. I am shook. Okay, first of all, maybe it's just the the fact that you haven't seen Yellow Jackets
0: still makes me mad. Yes. I need to, but I don't have Paramount Plus or whatever. No, it's, it's Showtime. Sh- listen, I know, I know. Get it. Get the free trial Oh, binge Showtime. It. No excuse. Yeah, it comes back in <laughs> okay, March. Two things. So... One, <laughs> I feel silly because I pretty sure when you talked about Yellow Jackets and you talked about Melanie Linsky, I talked about Ever After the last time. So now I feel silly for mentioning it twice, but also for not remembering (laughs) that you said I didn't know where you were going
2: with the Ever After thing because I didn't see that and I didn't know she was in that. And I was before you started speaking about that, getting ready to be like, and then we saw Melanie Linsky in the episode and I was so excited, like (laughs) uh, No. no backstory needed. We all know who Melanie Linsky is, or so I thought my bad I also
1: continue to love the dynamic between the two of you where apparently neither of you have ever seen what the other person is referencing
2: isn't that great because we started it's, the it's podcast giving... because i thought we liked the same things and it turns out we do not it's <laughs> the comedy is perfect
0: i'm sure i would like yellow jackets i just haven't had a chance to I'm watch it i'm honestly not
2: sure if you would to be quite honest but i think you should still watch it it's just very intense and there's a lot of violence but Kind of similar to this show, actually. There's various. I was gonna say, (laughs) no, no, no. I was gonna say, what I really like about it is that they humanize, like, the they ground the violence and the characters are like really fleshed out. But it, there's a lot more gore and a lot more sort of like horror elements to it. So I'm just not sure if it would be like totally up your alley, but if you could get past that stuff, like, I think you'd really like the story. So definitely still highly recommending it. And yes, Melanie Linsky is incredible. And All I'm right. so happy to see her in this. I was really worried that it was going to be like a one-episode arc or whatever, sort of like, you know, having uh, Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman. But it does feel like she will continue to be here, at least for maybe one more episode. Um, and, found you don't need to tell me if I'm right or wrong, because I know you know the answer. But I just – I'm just I actually don't.
1: Uh, Kath- Kathleen is a brand-new character. Oh <gasps> No way. Yeah, so Kathleen oh, cool. and Perry – um who was the the character played by jeffrey pierce um th- both of them are brand new so i actually have no idea uh what we're going to see with them
2: oh so in the game w- like at this stage of the game i guess like without saying things that could be spoilers for the show like are when they come upon this faction of people like is that in the game or is this whole part new
1: Yes, it is in the game. These, this group is in the game referred to as the Hunters. Um, so the scene where the guy fakes being injured and Joel realizes that he's faking and then they have that whole shootout, all of that's in the game. But the Hunters are like these non-playable characters that your goal is just to kill them and get through the city to get to your next thing. Uh, so they're kind of just this faceless enemy. And what's cool about what they're doing is that they're now giving us these backstories to build off of what the game historically has done so well, which is like, hey, everybody's got a background. Everybody's got a story. Um, what is cool about this episode is the conversation between Ellie and Joel, where Ellie says something along the lines of, how did you know that you know he was faking? And Joel says, well, I've been on both sides. So we get this picture of Joel of like, okay he's, he's not historically been the good guy, which we kind of already knew because Tess says that, but now we know like, oh, he, he rolled with this type of group that was um, doing these terrible things. So that's like, as far as we get in terms of learning anything about them or their background. So it's cool to me that now it's like, oh, we're going to understand their motivations. We're going to understand how they took over this QZ and how they have ownership of this town. Like, I, I can't wait to see all of that play out.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I do like that. It seems like they're exploring this concept of like, okay, Fedra has sort of been painted as the bad guy, at least from the show's perspective, what I've gathered from it. And this idea that this group of people took down Fedra or like overtook the QZ or whatever they did that we haven't really learned yet. Cause we don't, we don't know that much about them at this point as the viewer, but this idea that like they're worse or or just as bad like this group took over and they're also like it's a reign of terror is is sort of the vibe i'm getting and i think that like of course that would be happening in some place in a post-apocalyptic countryside like town so i like that we're getting that story and it's interesting that that wasn't
0: really fleshed out in the show
1: yeah yeah it's gonna be interesting
0: one question that i have about this now federalist but still you know military-esque um thing is the sinkhole of it all the thing like that building that they went into when they were looking for the people that i'm assuming were the ones that found joel and ellie at the in the very very final scene the father and son or the son figure and whatever um it seemed like they were looking for these people, and then all of a sudden they went into this room, and there was this like weird moving sinkhole thing. That I don't know if I missed something or if it's another one of those. I gotta wait until the next. Yeah, I was so to figure too. out what's going on. I don't think you we guys know yet. Yeah. Not miss yeah.
1: anything. I know what it is. I will keep uh, my mouth shut on that. It's gonna be a okay. good time. But- <laughs> okay. Great. Okay. So
0: this is this is in the game. Cool. 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 Oh, Ooh, I'm excited.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. Yay. Interesting.
2: I also was worried that I like wasn't getting it because sometimes I just don't get stuff. So I was like, oh, what did I miss? OK, so glad to hear I didn't no, no, they button. They definitely are just trying to kind of like
1: give you this ominous feeling of like, oh, something's coming, but you don't know what it is. Yeah, Wild. I like that.
2: Yeah, I definitely got that ominous
0: feeling. Wow, I'm excited.
2: <laughs> I'm like bummed that this episode was it's like half the length of the first episode and then and I think the third was also really long and I've gotten so used to these long episodes that this one ended and I was like okay I'm ready for episode five now thank you (laughs) like I don't want to wait all week oh it
0: definitely left me wanting more
2: yeah we will get episode five on Friday though so we don't have to wait that long yeah yeah did you yeah you saw that they were they moved it up so that we wouldn't have to decide between the Super Bowl and watching this (laughs) yes honestly I would have turned off the Super Bowl (laughs) to watch this and I'm an Eagles
0: fan so high praise for the last of us Wow. Don't let my I dad hear that. I love that level
1: of commitment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I'm going to be in Philadelphia like with people, so they would probably not smile upon me changing the channel or like moving to HBO. Most likely. I'm uh, an Eagles
1: fan as well, so I was going to have people over, but I told all the people, you have to be prepared to stay and watch The Last of Us afterwards if you're <laughs> going to come to my house. And they were like, okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> They're all like, well, we haven't seen any episodes, but I guess so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving that this is a fully bird-supporting podcast yeah. right now. <laughs> Hell yeah.
2: <laughs> I actually didn't have any other notes, but I found... Did you have any other like last things you wanted to say about the episode?
1: The only other things I'll say is I was really impressed uh, with the acting from Pedro Pascal in this episode. Um, not to say that I haven't been in past episodes, but he just did a lot of like facial acting this, this time that I was like, Oh man, I can see so much behind your eyes and behind the way that you're struggling to get these words out. You know, there was a lot of cute moments between him and Ellie where he was trying to comfort her, but he had no idea how to do that because he'd been out of practice in terms of comforting a person for that long. So I just, um, Pedro is continuing to surprise me each week with how well he's taken on this character and how well he understands Joel and that really made me super
0: happy in this episode.
2: Hi, Praise. I'm, I'm glad, glad that, that you like him, him because I love him. <laughs>
0: I'm glad he's <laughs> living up to your Joel dreams. He is. Um, I would like to formally say that I would like to have you on a future podcast, but maybe like, I don't know if you're available for the finale, but I feel like we should probably get your thoughts yeah, on that. Would be I would love a, you know, that. A dream come true. Perfect. <laughs> because this has been amazing. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah. I, I would love to
1: talk about the finale because it's funny. I mean, right now I can only say so much because I can't spoil, but yeah, I, um, yeah. I would love to have a conversation with you guys to kind of take it full circle and like get your opinion on the whole thing versus how I experienced it. And I think that could be a cool conversation.
0: All right. We will absolutely make that happen. Um, but thank you for joining us today. Yes, and thank uh, you, Thank you guys so
1: much. This has been so awesome.
2: Perfect. Yep. We will see everybody else back here next week for episode five thoughts.
0: Until then. Find links to follow us on socials and subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Thank you for listening to Double Take. If you like what you heard, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review. See you next time. The Double Take podcast is produced by Jess Ball and me, Jennifer Cullen.